Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. As we continue in our book of Philippians, and the title of today's message is Joy in a Bad Situation. Come on, joy in a bad situation. How many of you go, sometimes life wants to deal you its, its worst, and, um, but you and the Spirit of God inside of you get to choose how you respond to that. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, your physical Bibles, your electronic Bibles, to Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. I will read that. You can read it along with me. It says, but I want you to know. Second slide, please. I want you to know. Come on, can you say that? Can you just make that declaration? Say, I want you to know that the things which have happened to me, what things have happened to you, what things are, are happening, and what things will happen. Don't you know that that's kind of like your salvation? You were saved, you are saved, and you're going to be saved. Or as the Apostle Paul says, I was delivered, I am delivered, and I'm going to be delivered. Aren't you thankful that God sees the end from the beginning and he doesn't leave you in the nasty now and now? He doesn't leave you in the middle, but he's going to take you through to the promised land. But he says, I want you to know that the things that happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the good news or the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guards and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident in my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ out of, even out of envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the good news or the gospel. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice that the Christ is preached. Come on, I have to ask yourself, what gives us joy? I have to ask myself, what is my passion? What, do, what wakes me up in the morning? Or what excites me? Come on, is it? And this is, this is how many of you guys, will, God will correct you. This is God will correct me to say, what is your passion? What, what excites you? Like today, just think about uh, the fans that are going to gather, and some of you, you're going to be excited, but uh, there's some passion, there's some excitement, there's some folks that spent money, some people that bent, bet big dollars on, uh, on the football game, and that's their passion, that's what they live for. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, they live, live for, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, I could talk about f football, but some people, their whole life and existence revolves around football season. I'm like. You need to get a life. <laughs> but, but that's what it is. And uh, the Philippians were aware. They were aware of Paul's circumstance. But let me read this verse. Look at, let's look at the verse that Pastor Portia preached about uh, just before that last week. Uh, one verse. Let me turn to it since I don't have. But it says this in verse 10. It says, may you approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. I, I read that and I was like, what things are, am I offended about? 
What are the things that are offending me? There's a word, there's a scripture that says, Great peace, peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Come on, how many of you guys, there's some offenses? Jesus said, guess what? There's going to be reasons to get offended. And you either are full of offense or you're going to be full of fruit. And you can choose. You and I get to choose what offends us or what. And offense just means a trip or a, a trap, something that derails us. And I find myself, I get offended at a lot of things. And sometimes I offend myself. And so do some of you. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, but you can choose to be offended. And it says, Paul's writing and he says, don't let this situation offend you. Because here in the natural, what they were looking at, they were like, come on, they probably thought, man, Paul, why are you in this place? Why are you in prison? Why are you having to deal with this hardship? You know, you're the apostle. You're the man of God. You're the appointed of God. You're the one that works miracles and walks and raises the dead and God uses in a mighty way. But now you're locked in a prison and uh, we're away from you thousands of miles or hundreds of miles, and we don't understand this. Have you ever had to deal with contradiction? And so that's what he's talking to me. He says, don't let these things offend you. You can either be filled with offense or you can be filled up with the fruit, as Pastor Portia alluded to last week in verse 11. You can be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus wants to fill us with fruit rather than with offense? I think if anybody could have been offended, it could have been Jesus. Just think about it. Jesus, he was the creator of the universe. It says in John chapter 1, Jesus was the word. He was the word made flesh. He was in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and all things that exist existed through him. And then as it goes down, it says, and he came to his own, and his own didn't even want him. They didn't even like him. They just, they just read it. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave what? He gave power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. And then it goes on and it says, this is talking about you who are born not of the will of man nor the will of the flesh, but you were born by God. Come on, tell yourself that and tell you and say, don't you know that you're born of God? Come on, and you know that whatever is born of God overcomes the world and so this is the backdrop as of these verses that we get to and we get to and so the Philippians were aware of Paul's circumstances and we can go to the next slide please the Philippians were aware of Paul's circumstances and that's why he says I want you to know that even though in the natural I'm bound I may have experienced persecution and suffering don't worry don't worry about that because how many of Paul had a higher perspective that you know what you can't kill me I've already died You can't, you can't kill a, a dead man. And so even though, how many guys got some of you that's still alive? Somebody just says something to you wrong. They look at you wrong. They cut you off on, oh, thank you, David. We've got a couple honest people in here, right? How many know that there's some, you got some flesh that's still like somebody like, like Monty, I'm sure you wanted to, your mom was praying. They were like, I'm so glad. This is what your mom told me. You don't know this. I'm so glad Monty didn't hear them stealing his car last night because Monty probably would have got out and went out there and tried to stop him and may have shot him. And so I shouldn't have said that. But, but Monty felt like it, right? You felt like someone stole his car, right? He was like, You've won, you know, so come on, you know what I'm talking about. There's, there, some of us, are, we're still alive, right? We're alive. We just don't, uh, we got to battle our flesh. And so these friends of Paul 
He wanted them to be aware that even though the situation is going on, it's going to be all right. He didn't want them to worry. And Paul could have looked at the bad side of his situation. You know, I don't even want to preach this word. Because when you preach it and when you hear it, it's like praying for patience. Right? And then you get in line at the store and the checker is taking a long time and you're in a hurry. And you're like, Jesus, would they hurry up? How many of you guys, you got some unholy thoughts go through your head? Man, didn't they get proper training? What's wrong with her? You know, they need to hire better staff here, whatever, you know. Can I just tell on Pastor Steve on myself what my mind thinks sometimes? Say, Lord, just stretch your hands to him. Say, Lord, help him. But he said he could have looked at the bad side of his situation. But Paul looked at life from the viewpoint of the good news. He looked at life from the, good, from the viewpoint of the good news. Next slide, please. I'm going to go through our, our slides just to get all the slides out of the way. And then I'm going to get to the preaching part. This is just for all of you that like slides and structures and points. All the, all the porcupine preachers that like this. We're going to give you all this. And so, so in jail, sermons are... Yeah, in jail, sermons are our chains. Think about the things that want to confine you. Come on, how many of you guys have ever been in a situation or you went through a death experience, but something was produced or something was birthed inside of you? I know Pastor Portia, she always tells me, she says, some of my best songs that I've ever written was when I went through a, a death experience or a valley experience or a crushing experience, and uh, God produces something in that situation. And uh, so I have a question for you. Is your confinement your refinement? Or I'll say it like this. Is your confining your refining? Or are you just whining about God's timing? Now, I'm, don't worry. That's all I got. I'm not like Pastor Patrick. Because you think about life, the confinements of life, and we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much liberty. We have so much to be thankful for. But how many know that our attitude, our attitude, our perspective, it can, even though we may be in a natural situation that's confining. Come on, you guys feel like your, your employer is confining or your, your, maybe your, your situation is confining or whatever it may be. Maybe it be a health situation or a relationship or a financial thing. But how many of there are situations and there's circumstances that want to squeeze you in and confine you. Am I the only one? But in confinement, how many know God says, I, I got you right where I want you? I'm dealing with, because sometimes it's like that scripture I read, it says, be still. And how many is in your confinement process, your mind keeps going, you just want to break out, you just like, like how many of you guys have, a, what is it called when you, um, you have a phobia of, uh, thank you, that's it, claustrophobic. You don't like it. And uh, some of us need to be delivered from our claustrophobia because God, did I say that right? Claustrophobic, thank you. I'm, I'm just speaking in tongues, forget me. <laughs> some of you guys write in tongues. I looked at some of your writing, but we've got to pray for our young people. This generation, all they do is know how to text, and they don't even know how to write. I'm like, you're in 12th grade, and you write like that? I'm like, what school you went to? 
They write like that. I'm like, you're writing in tongues. But anyhow, little, little joke, little joke. Little joke here. But our confinement, things that want to confine us. And so here, Paul didn't let confinement, he let confinement be used to refine him or to bring him into focus, bring him into places. Okay, Lord, this is a place of adjustment. And so our confinement is our, for our refinement. And I'll say it again. Don't let your confining, let, don't let the confining, or let your confining be your refining. And don't just whine about God's time. And someone said this, it's not what you go through, but how you go through it. It's not what we go through, but it's how we, can, how we go through it. You can't control what happens to you. How many of you guys got control issues? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But we want to control it. But then there are certain things. Sometimes life may blow, hit you with something that you had no, like, you had everything together. I know a person in my family, their, their relationship was all together, and their, their career was all together, and their house was all together, and their money was all together, and all the things that they trusted in in the world's status would look like, oh, they got it all together in their car, in their house, and something happened that rocked their world and shattered their world and turned their world upside down, and everything happened. The relationship is ended. The money is not there. The house is getting transitioned, and everything happens, and how many of you know we can't can't control sometimes, but what we can control is, or what we can choose, is how we go through that situation. And it says, Porsche always tell me, tells me this, and then I'm going to remind her so she can remind me, you can't control what happens to you or what people do to you, but you can choose how you respond. You're not going to be judged by what people do. You're not going to be judged by what people did or are doing to you, but only how you respond. Our words, our thoughts, our actions, and our deeds. We have the chance to turn opposition into, or I should say it like this, we have a chance to turn opposition and obstacles into opportunities. And that's what Paul did. That's what, because you think about Paul, he wasn't just, Paul got beat Back when he started the Philippian church, remember he cast the devil out of that girl and they threw him. They beat him like 39 times. They whipped him and he was a Roman citizen. They were going to try to do it again at the end of the book of Acts and they were going to do it to him again. And he was like, hey, 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 uh, I'm from Rome, okay? You, it's, it's, I already got beat 39 times before. And, uh, but Paul, what made Paul respond out of love for people that persecuted him? And then I think about this, Paul had to remember what he used to be like. Because Paul used to be that same person. Because remember Paul, he killed Christians, he murdered, he imprisoned. And so remember the story in Luke chapter 6, 7, somewhere it's in there. Remember Jesus, tell, remember the woman with the alabaster box? And she came and she broke her alabaster box and she poured her the, this, this ointment that was worth just think about whatever you make in a year. Think about your, your salary, whatever it is, 50000 100000 to whatever you make. I pray that you make a lot. But, uh, 
Anyhow, this ointment that she had was, a, was worth a year's wages. And she came and she broke it at the feet of Jesus. And she was crying and kissing his feet and washing his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. And then Simon the Pharisee got all religious and was like, Jesus, if you really were a prophet and you really were the son of God, you would know what kind of woman this was. And then Jesus proceeds to tell him a story of the creditors that there were two debtors and a creditor and the creditor forgave both one he forgave 5000 and the other one he forgave 500000 and so he asked Simon the Pharisee he says who do you think is going to be more appreciative and love the more and he was like well that's that's basic that's easy the one whom more was forgiven and he says you've rightly stated Simon and he says because whoever has been forgiven much loves much And so how could Paul walk in such love and forgiveness and emulate Jesus to people that didn't deserve it? Because Paul had a revelation of the Son of God that here was Jesus, here was God, here was Christ, here was the Messiah that came to the earth, that came to his people, and he loved and he modeled love and humility, and he went to the cross, and he was on the cross, and he's on the cross, and he has two people, one on one side that represents part of us, and the other, the other two thieves and the other one, one is like, hey, if you're the son of God, then get us down from here. Man, what, what's wrong with you? You said, oh, you talk this big talk. Then if you're really him, he sounds like the devil, right, if you're the son of God. And he says, get us down from here. And then you have the thief on the other side. And he was like, hey, shut up. <laughs> he said, he said, leave him alone. He said, this man is innocent, but we're guilty. And then he says to Jesus, he says, Lord, remember me this day in paradise. And so Paul had that revelation, uh, even though he wasn't, well, I don't know, Scripture doesn't talk about Paul in Jesus' life, only when he encountered Jesus, and then he was blind for three days. And so you think about Paul, how could Paul live in such a way and give his life? I think that Paul, when he encountered Jesus, he says, you know what? I know what it is to live for myself. I know what it is to live for all the accolades and the academics and the money and the, and the prestige and all the things. But as we go through this uh, book and this epistle, we know that Paul says, all those things are nothing but rubbish to me. All these things I would uh, just cast to the side that I might know him and be like Jesus. And so that's why Paul could, could preach this way and write this way and emulate a life of love and forgiveness and have a view of God's sovereignty. Because he says, you know, you can't kill me. And even if you kill me, it's going to work out for the good news sake. And so Paul is in this jail, and his jail experience is working a new sermon in Paul. How many say, Lord, thank you for my confinement, Lord. Work a, work a new message in me. Come on, how many of you know you don't have a message? Your message is your life. Your message is not this platform. Your message is how you live and how we treat one another and how we, how we just interact with others. That's our message. That's the gospel that we preach. And so the message of the gospel was being made known to all of the palace guards. Paul could see joy in the bad situation. And then Paul's imprisonment, it says the message of the gospel. Next slide. The message... His imprisonment caused more believers to be more confident and bold and speak the word without fear. The gospel was being spread in Paul and that and, and, and to Paul, and that was good news. 
Come on, you got to smile. How many know Jesus is good news? People may not like church. They may not re- like religion. They may not even like you. But uh, I mean, like you love God, but you just don't like his kids sometimes. How many of you guys got some family members you love and you tolerate, but you don't really like them? You, thank you, Anna. Thank you. You know what I'm talking about, right? Lord Jesus, this is me and you, Lord God. This is me and you. I don't want to see them, but how many of you know? No, no, we got to work it out. Everyone say, you got to work it out. It's the cross. How many of you know horizontal relationships is how we deal with humanity, how we deal with people? And so Paul's life was producing something in others. Next slide. In persecution, preaching to hurt Paul. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and strife. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition. And so no matter what people try to do, then Paul, in his viewpoint, he says, no matter what, God is in control. And people may have wrong motives. They may have wrong intention. But I I don't need to worry about that. All I know is that God will deal with them, and I need to let God deal with me, and I need to see the big picture. And so Paul had to, let me just go to my other notes here before we just get back to this. Paul had to only reflect upon his personal life. But let me just think about this, go back to turning opposition and obstacles into opportunity. I started thinking about this, um, what people are going through. And I don't know my notes. I don't know why I wrote here. But uh, when I first got saved at our previous church, we had sent out a missionary to China, mainland China. His name was Dennis Balcom. And Dennis Balcom was white as me. But he says, when I go to China, I'm going to become Chinese. He says, I don't care what I look like on the outside. I'm going to learn Mandarin. I'm going to learn Cantonese. I'm not going to try to be American. I'm going to be Chinese. And that's what he did. He says, why? Because I'm going to do what Paul said. I'm going to become all things to all men. And so he went there. And in that time, and it still is, uh, but at that time there was even more persecution. If you don't know, China is a communist country. They don't believe in God. You don't hear God. They don't, but even though years ago, before they were communists, there was in the Chinese language, I don't know why I'm talking about, in the characters, the characters for, let me just tell you this, the characters for righteousness in the Chinese language is a lamb that is dead with blood over it. That's, that's the character for righteousness. And we learn that. And so it goes back to show that they were a theoistic society that they had they believed in God because in their language in their characters it shows the lamb that was slain and so but now in our day and so here's Dennis and he's there and uh, Charisma magazine went on to say that Dennis was is responsible in the movement there for getting 60 million Chinese people saved one man 60 million And so God can do anything with the life, but he would come back and he would tell us stories that they would have to hide because they couldn't have church like we had. They had underground church. They did it at night, and you had it in people's houses, and he would actually have to get traveled around or travel around the country being pulled uh, in a casket like he was a dead man. And so they would hide him in a casket thinking it was like a funeral procession, but it was actually Dennis inside of there going to the next service to preach. I was like, man, that's a good illustration. Maybe some of us need to get into a, maybe Pastor Steve needs to get into a coffin. <laughs> Remind myself, stay dead. Come on, just tell yourself, say, stay dead, Steve. And come on, say your name. Stay dead. 
But anyhow, in the midst, and so Dennis would come back, and he would come back to America, and we lived next to the church, and so they would have Dennis uh, come and stay with us, and Dennis was at our house, and Dennis was always praying in the Holy Ghost and praying, and uh, when we'd wake up in the morning, he was already gone out of our house, and we'd get back home, and Dennis wasn't there yet. He would come in later. We just gave him a key, and sometimes we'd hear him early, and Portia says, Dennis, what are you doing all day? And he says, Portia, I'm out praying. I'm out praying. And Portia was like, well, you're doing all this praying. How do you get anything done? And he says, well, the more you pray, the more you accomplish. The less you pray, the less you accomplish. But he would tell us stories. And now Dennis was crazy because if you ever went to visit Dennis, he just wanted to give you some crazy food that you never ate before. <laughs> you didn't even want to ask what it was. You just wanted to. He was like, that's okay. I'm a fast. Or, I just got my beef jerky, I brought beef, whatever, I don't know, brought some dry fruit, whatever, prunes, or whatever you brought. But then Dennis would want you to get arrested. Dennis would, like, do stuff to try to get you arrested because he felt like if you didn't go to jail for the gospel, then you weren't qualified to even be a preacher. That's true. And then there were kids, there were young people we would see on these videos, and Candy knows, and Wes, you know the story. You would see these young teenage girls that, that had churches of 1,000, 5,000, these young, young girls that had, had seen miracles and raised the dead. And then he said this, he says, you know, in China, no one calls themselves by a title, a, a bishop, a prophet, or this or that. He says, we're just humble servants of the Most High God. And, and then he would say this, he says, you know what? He says, the communists are not our enemy because when they arrest us and put us in jail, we just fast and we pray for them. And then they all end up getting saved. And he says, and then Portia, you know, crazy Portia with her prayers. She was like, that's what I'm going to pray for, persecution. Persecution needs to come to America. We need to get persecuted, you know, <laughs> because he said the more that the communists would persecute the church, the more that it would grow. Because it would force them, and I was like, Lord, I don't, want, I don't want to be that dumb. I don't want to, you know, you don't have to hit me with the two-by-four. You don't, Lord, let me just be willing to walk in obedience, Lord. You don't have to, I don't want to be dumb. and Just, you know, you don't have to knock me upside the head. Just, how many guys, the Lord has ever knocked you? You got some knots on the back of your head right now. If you felt like I got a big knot right back there. But you've ever been knocked. Well, you... I'm going to tell you another funny story. When I was in elementary school, I went to Catholic elementary parochial school. And I was not the best child. But his name was Brother Bede. Brother Bede, I still remember. He was about six foot five, ball-headed. And if you were acting up in class, he would take his knuckle like this and just come and just sideswipe your head. Now, he didn't do it to the ladies. But he did a, that's why they came up with that term, knucklehead. <laughs> and so... That knot that I got on the back of my head, I think it came from him when I was in sixth grade acting crazy in, in school. I just got it, you know. But anyhow, so back to Portia. I was like, Portia, don't pray that, Portia. You don't got to pray for persecution. You know, God can move. And so, but this was his testimony that the more they were persecuted by the communists, and so now there are millions of Christians in mainland China and China in spite of the communist government that goes on there. And there are a thousand. We need to pray for China because there's a lot that's happened. And so we bless. How many know the church of Jesus Christ is alive in all the nations? 
in all the nations of the earth. In Africa and Asia and South America and all the different, everywhere. They, how many know that there is a church of Jesus Christ? And so we need to pray for what's happening. And you, you hear this in the news, even with Ukraine right now. Because 30 years ago, at this time, I went, Pastor Portia and I, we, had, we were married for like three years. It was 30 years ago. It was, it was middle of February, towards the beginning of March, that I went on my first mission trip. And what happened was the walls of eastern Germany fell down and collapsed, and, and the USSR, it all collapsed. And that's how Ukraine became a free nation. That's how they brought in democracy. And, and so we were there. I was there with different people. I don't know if there's anybody here, but uh, we were there. And it was, I was 25 years of age. Pastor, I didn't realize that when I left, Pastor Portia was pregnant. And she was acting all emotional. She was spending a lot of money. She went shopping. Because what happened was, you know, I thought I was young and being spiritual, and I decided to go on the mission trip, and she got her feelings hurt that I didn't ask her to go, and she thought the money should be spent on something else. And uh, so she was emotional, not realizing that God, uh, anyhow, she was pregnant. I didn't know it, but I get to, we get to fly into Moscow. We fly into Moscow, and uh, if you've ever been to Moscow, that was my first time really being in that type, and it was just very different. The people were nice, but you can just feel it was different. Like you went through customs, and they st stare you down, and you can just see that it was there was just some uh, spiritual oppression. But the people in the services where we went and had services, the people loved Jesus. And how many know, baby, in the natural, maybe there's in government, there may be systems and situations. But how many know that God is not limited by that? God can move upon the hearts of people. And so then we were in Moscow, and then we left Moscow, and uh, I remember we got on this plane. We had to actually go anywhere in Moscow Airport. Now, they didn't have, like when you went out to the airport, it was cold. It was snowy. We had to walk out to this runway, get on this plane that looked like it was made in 1952. And, uh, and we got on. The seats flipped over, flipped down, and you got in, and then... Some of you guys remember Moses Vey, Moses Vey. I was praying. I was like, Jesus, is this plane going to make it? But anyhow, you walk out there. Moses is talking to the captains. His name was Moses Vey. He's like, Moses is like, I'm going to fly this plane. I was like, oh, Lord, help us, you know. But anyhow, we fly, and we land into the city of Kiev. And they have beautiful theaters, and we were there with hundreds of young people. Now, even in, even in Moscow, I remember this kid named Sergei. And uh, Sergey was this young kid. You know, here I am, a young 24-year-old uh, American. I have all these clothes. And I just remember I was like, here, just take the whole. I just gave him all my new Levi's or boots or whatever. And I remember meeting another kid from Estonia, another kid from Latvia. Those are countries from the Baltic states. And uh, then when we were in Kiev, we're in these services, and the Spirit of God, there's like 3,000 young people. They're all young, and they're just worshiping God. And so right now to this day, there is pastors, and some of them are from Africa. Actually, the gentleman that was our interpreter, he was from Africa, and he spoke um, whatever the language was. He was our interpreter, and now he has a church of about 10,000 people in Kiev. And so what's going on? And there they embrace democratic rule, and we know that there's things going on in the news. And so, but we need to pray. There's there are a lot of Christians in Ukraine. And so, Lord, we just lift up the nations. Lord, we lift up the nations to you, Lord. Uh, and I, the, 
I'm just sharing that because it was part of my history 30 years ago when I went there. And so, Lord, we just pray for the nations, Lord, that you will cause the church, Lord, to grow, Lord. And we pray for protection, Lord, that innocent lives would not be killed or injured, Lord, that there will be no war. Lord, there will be no war, Lord, no war, Lord, no war, that you will protect humanity. You will protect lives of, of children and women, Lord, and, Lord, young people, Lord, that uh, would maybe get caught up in this situation, Lord. And, Lord, we pray for Russia, Lord, and you would, Lord, just touch that nation, Lord. Let the people that love you there and the, the people in all the nations in Europe and, Lord, all the nations of the earth would come to know you in a greater way. And so in every situation, God can turn an obstacle or an opposition into an opportunity. And so Paul, he reflects on his own personal life of God's great love and mercy to all of humanity. Jesus, who was the suffering servant. Jesus, the one who went down low and lifted the curse of sin and the law off of us. He broke the power of death and hell and the grave, and he's released us into glorious liberty by the Spirit of God. Paul says, I want you to know how you go through something speaks to and demonstrates a legacy of faith and courage to others. This is Paul, and this is for us. How we go through life and life circumstances. It speaks to and demonstrates a legacy of faith and courage to others or possibly doubt, fear, and unbelief. How we choose, how I choose, how you choose, how we choose to deal with life. God will use your testimony for the benefit for someone else. Have you ever been going through something and then later on in life you're talking to somebody and you look back and you're like, you're the reason I went through that test. You're the reason I went through that situation. How many know that God comforts us so that we can comfort others with the same comfort? And now when you're going through it, it doesn't feel good. Come on, when you're going through it, it feels like death. When you're going through it, it feels there's pain, there's grief, there's sorrow. But afterwards, how many of you guys got some scars on your body? I got a lot of them. I think my lighter complexion and maybe my older age shows them up. I got, I got a big scar right there. I got a scar. I remember that when I was trying to open a can of, I don't know what it was, maybe tuna fish. But, and I jabbed myself. I got six stitches right there. But now I see those scars, but I, don't, I remember the situation, but I don't remember any of the pain. And it doesn't hurt anymore. And that's the same way in our life. There are scars and as Pastor Porter says, that our scars, God turns into our stars. And the areas of our life that we've gone through difficulty and pain are usually the areas that God will use you to bless someone else and to encourage someone else and to help someone. Says, you know what? I know exactly what you're going through. And then you can tell your story and says, you know what? I know why God allowed me to go through that. God uses our testimonies for the benefit of someone else. And so is the manner, I ask it, is the manner of my living producing boldness and courage in others? Come on, I have to ask myself, is, is the way that Pastor Steve is, is it producing courage and boldness in us to say, you know what, that God got you. God has this. Now turn with me in your Bible. Let's look at a couple scriptures and then we're going to wrap this up. God is sovereign. And God, God is sovereign. Paul knew from his personal life that God had a plan 
and could use any situation. And so 2 Corinthians chapter, I'm going to switch on you. Thank you, Sarah, or Shara up there. It says, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, The only letter of recommendation, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 through 3. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3, New Living. It says, The only letter of recommendation we need is you. Everyone say me. Your lives are a letter written in my heart. Everyone can read it and recognize your good work among you. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Everyone can read my life. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. God is carving, or God is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Come on, how many of you say God is, God is writing something new? God is writing a new page in my story. He's writing a new chapter in my book. How many know that God wants to write something new upon our heart? And that's what it says even in Jeremiah. It says God takes out the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And it says that he writes his words and his laws upon our hearts and upon our minds. I don't know how he do it, does it. I don't care. I just by faith say I receive it. Come on, I say, you know, how many of you guys got to figure everything out? Your mind, you just want to, you want to figure everything out. You want to know all the, I feel sorry for you. But, I mean, there's some things we want to figure out. But, you know, some things you just got to say, Lord, do it. By faith, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive what you're doing. Now, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. We're going to read this passage. And I hope it blesses you like it blesses me. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And if we can write, read it from the New Living as well. No, 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 you can put that from the New King James. It doesn't matter. It's all good. Everyone say it's all good. 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, you therefore. That's you. Everyone say, that's me. My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, my God has fresh grace for you. He has grace for you today. Now, the grace from yesterday, you can't live off of it. The grace for tomorrow is not there. All you have is grace for today. And so it says, be strong in God's grace that is in Christ. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses. This is Paul talking to his son, Timothy, who was in the Philippian church. Commit these things to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. He's, he's talking about a reciprocation and a reproduction of what's inside of him being passed down to another person and then on to others. How many know what you live for and what you stand for is going to outlive you? You have a legacy of faith. And then he says this. Number three, it says, put your name there again. I'm going to put my name. Verse three, it says, you must therefore endure hardship as a good soldier. Now, we don't like this language. This is like, we don't like this in our, we, you know, how many of you guys want to avoid pain? Most of us do. But it says, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare. How many of you know that you have to fight? Now, we don't like fighting. I didn't grow up liking to fight. My personality, I like peace. I don't like fighting, you know. But how many of you guys, you were forced to fight? Like, you, got, you were either going to fight or you were going to get your behind whooped. Okay? No. 
or some bullies. But how many of you guys know somebody, they're nice, and if they ever get mad, watch out. Okay, right? But it says fight the good fight. Now, we don't fight with carnality. We don't fight with human weapons. It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Come on, they're not man-made weapons, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And every high thing that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God, casting down arguments. How many of you guys got some arguments that go on in your mind? Come on, how many of you guys got some arguments that you got to deal with, some internal arguments or external arguments? And so it says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him. Who is him? I want to please Jesus. I want to please Jesus. I want to please Jesus. And then it says this, and this is our verse about the Olympics. Verse 5, and anyone who competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. How many know that God is looking at us and he wants to crown your life? Your life, we're going to be crowned. And you know what we do with the crown? We just lay it at his feet. We lay the feet because ultimately we're nothing without him. The crown that God gives us, it's not a crown of our glory. It, how many of you know you recognize that, Lord? It was all you. It was all you. It was never me. You're the, one that, you're the one that created me. You're the one that formed me in my mother's womb. You're the one that watched over me. You're the one that chose me. You're the one that saved me. You're the one that delivered me. You're the one that's working inside of me. You're the one that's producing faith inside of me. How many of you know it's all him? It's all him. And he just says, would you just catch up with me? Catch up with my spirit. And so he says... If you're competing, and then it says this, the hardworking, he uses three, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. That means, you know what that just means? It means you got to eat and live by what you say. Can't be a phony. Consider what I say that may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel for which I suffer trouble as an evil doer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Come on. So Paul was like, he was like, you know what? You can do all this stuff. You can lock me in chains. You can lock me. You can bind me up. But guess what? That doesn't confine me. That doesn't confine God. That doesn't confine the word of God. You may do all these things. You can beat me. You can burn me. You can kill me. You can crucify me. But I've already died, and I know that this natural life that I'm living is just but for a moment, that my real life is with Christ in eternity. And so that's what Paul is talking about when he writes this letter. He was like, this is what I'm talking about because he, he writes this letter out of his revelation of his relationship with Jesus. That's his revelation, that no matter what you do, I know that this carnal mind, body of mine, this natural, this body of the dust and of the flesh is going to go back there. Now turn with me, I'm last scripture, I'm going to read it to you, and uh, we're going to bless one another. And then uh, we're going to have something to drink. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you could put it up there, share a 2 Corinthians 4. Put it from the New Living Translation. And uh, this, it's all good. The Bible is so good. It's so good. 
but it's the spirit of the word, not just the letter. Second Corinthians chapter four, new living. I don't even have it here, but I need it. I need it. Come on. Can you say I need it? Say I need it. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and unhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Stop right there. I want to ask you guys, don't make Jesus complicated. Say, what is the gospel? What is the good news? It's Jesus. The good news is that the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one has come and God has a way for people to get born again, to come back. And you can just talk to people. Don't preach to them about church. Don't preach to them about the greatest revelation. Don't talk to them about all this stuff. Just show them you and show them Jesus. And so that's what Paul was talking about. He was like, this gospel, this good news and the church of Jesus Christ, we need to come back to the good news of just simplifying Jesus. We have it so complicated and people don't want, they want Jesus more than they want you. They want Jesus more than that. How many know Jesus is the desire? It says this in the book of Habakkuk. It says that he is the, or it's Haggai, one of those H, it's the minor prophets. It says that he is the desire of the nations. He's the desire of all humanity. Why? Because God has placed humanity in the hearts of people. And so no matter what people are going through, what they have, what they don't have, if they're down or out or up or out, they're still a longing in their heart for reality and eternal truth. And so I'm charging you, church, be bold and courageous and share Jesus. I don't, don't be intimidated. Don't be scared of people. Now, you don't have to preach and yell at people and like you're going to hell. No, just give them Jesus. And the good news that we, we need to have just an articulation class, and maybe I need to attend it as well, of just how to talk to people about our relationship in Jesus and the truth of Jesus and the reality of God not being mad at humanity but reconciling humanity through the death of his son and the resurrection. So it says this is the good news. And so this good news, it's veiled from people. And I understand people like, ah, I don't want to hear that Jesus stuff. Don't talk to me. I don't want to hear that church stuff. And I don't want to hear that. You guys know what I'm talking about. But don't stop because God's at work from people who are perishing. Next one, we got to hurry up. It's, ooh, it's already 1.13. Okay, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. That's why every unbelief, you've got to drive it out. It's not of God. How many know that we are people of faith? They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Come on, don't look at the jar. Don't look at people. Look at the treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not 
ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach Come on, say it. I continue to preach. Come on, say I continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith. The psalmist said, he's talking about David, when he said, I believed in God, therefore I spoke. Woo! That's good news right there. That means open up your mouth. That means your belief should cause you to say something. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to say something. The spirit of faith comes upon us. The spirit of faith. Come on, how many of you guys, you can't contain it? If you contain it, you're going to go crazy. And that's what Paul said. He says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Shut up in my bones. For we know that the God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Though our bodies may be dying. Come on, how many of you go, you feel like something in your body is just getting older, don't, don't work as well as it used to. But our spirits are being renewed every day. Come on, how many of you say, God, thank you that your spirit, come on, you can be 80 years old, but your spirit, man, is still 16. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory. Come on, I'm going to say that again. For our troubles are small. Come on. Come on. The troubles, they're, not, they're real, but they, they're small compared to his glory. The troubles that we're dealing with, they're real. They're situations. We're not, we're not denying that. They're real, but compared, they, they're not going to last. Look at your neighbor and say, it won't last forever. They're small and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot see. For the things we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever now i got these lemons here say pastor Steve, why you got all these lemons up here look behind frank and there's some lemons i got a whole and these are good lemons these lemons will cost you a dollar each at food mill these are organic meyer lemons lemons are so good, I feel like biting it right now, eating them. Can you put that picture up of that lemon tree? That's the lemon tree in my backyard. I probably have, I don't know, 500 lemons on it, and I bring you some. You can take it. You, all of you guys can have a lemon. 
That lemon tree got so full of lemons, it actually broke. It broke the branch. But in the natural, you could see that dirt around it. It's dry. It just looks like there's no life. The last rain it had was back in December. And I'm like, Lord, how is all this juicy juice, this juicy sweet? This is not a, this is not a sour lemon. This is a sweet lemon. But what do you do with lemons? What do you do when life deals you lemons? You make lemonade. And you take it and you put some water over it. And then you don't put sugar in it, you get some stevia. For all you healthy folks, right? I know you guys want some sugar. And you make lemonade. But there's something about that tree that I don't understand. Because down beneath the earth, I don't know how the water that I can't see gets up through those roots. And now I know roots, I know roots are attracted to water, but I also believe that water is attracted to roots. And I don't know about you and I, but I'm a root because I'm planted in the house of God. And the word of God says that if you are planted in God's house, that you will bear fruit in all seasons. You'll bear fruit. That's why God wants you planted. That's why God wants you planted. And so no matter what comes in the natural, even though it may be dry and windy and hot or cold, no matter all the things that happen to you externally down below you where it's dark and you can't see, you know that the source of life is not on the outward. It's on the unseen areas of our life. It's in that dark place. It's in the place that nobody sees. It's the place where nobody even wants to see. And sometimes you don't even know, but that's where all the life comes from. That's where all the life comes from. And so, Lord, today we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that no matter what life serves us, Lord, we choose to look to you and say, Lord, thank you. Lord, and if I've been dealt a situation, I'm going through a season of bitterness or pain, Lord, I, I submit it to you and give it to you and allow the water of your word. Let the water of your presence, Lord, cause that which is working inside of me, cause it to be dispersed so that it can refresh me and it could refresh others. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.